0: Hello and welcome to season three, episode five of the Teachers in the Hall podcast. I'm John Zingali, and I enjoy showcasing student work, whiskey barrel-aged coffee, and designing projects.
1: And I'm Erin Lark, it's December, and so I am re-watching ELF about a zillion times. I also love that it is basketball season, go Blazers. And I super love fresh pairs of socks this time of year. Is there anything better than a fresh pair of socks? I don't know. So if you're thinking about what to get a person for a holiday or just because it's Tuesday, I recommend socks.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's why Fred Meyer has their Black Friday sock sale.
1: It's true. It's true. (laughs) Gotta love it. Just for you. Just for me. Just
0: for you. Um... Well, welcome. And this week on Twitter, this past month, uh, we've seen a lot of things, especially in teacher Twitter, about teacher self-care. There's a lot of burnout out there um, from a myriad of things, from extra workloads, sub shortages and filling in um, lots of extra workload Bad student behavior is, has been a thing because the kids were out of school for so long. And so we're going to talk about some of those things. And also, to like, what do you do for teacher self-care and to fill your bucket? What brings you back to life and makes you feel good?
1: What do you do, John?
0: Um, it sounds weird. I love technology um, for me and photography. Like, for me, going out hiking with my 360 camera and playing around with photography, um binge watching some shows that I feel comfortable. It's funny. Like you go and find those old shows you rewatch, like I rewatching Seinfeld again and Schitt's Creek and all of those things. Um, Spending time with my family, you know, watching the little kids, you know, I gave my kids, I finally gave them my old Star Wars toys. Mm -hmm. Um, And so watching them kind of rediscover that is fun. I don't know. We went, we, my wife and I also went to the uh, Seattle art museum and just, um, you know, enjoyed that. But also then that stirs up project ideas in my head. Like my brain doesn't necessarily turn off. So um, then that stimulates me for getting new project ideas going like that. That fills my bucket. I enjoy designing new things and I love when ideas come from just the world around us.
1: Uh, I. You know, thinking about what I've been doing as well, we also love hikes. We like to go on Sunday hikes, of course, here in the Pacific Northwest. It's gorgeous year round. I'm a little biased. Um, We like to go and find as long a hike as we can fit in, and then afterward, go find a great place to have a beverage, uh, have some snacks, just kind of enjoy the environment where we are. Um, My husband, my daughter, and I love to scramble over hills and rocks and kind of find out-of-the-way places where nature is doing very cool wintry things. You get to get into the bryology there, the teeny tiny little plants that you find nooked into rocks and near water. And it's just really great to in a season where we think of things as dying or closing down to find out how much nature is really happening and where that goodness is. Um, I also do a lot of writing. And so in the winter, when I have less yard work going on, I like to do a lot of creative writing. And of course, last night, uh, as I always do, I finished all the Christmas cards. I have to mail, got them in the mail. I like to have them postmarked on December 1st. And that kind of leads me to my other bucket list item. And I, I know this is probably not going to be a common one, but I love to go to the post office Christmas time.
0: I love stamps. I have so, a, actually I have a I stamp I have a stamp collection, and okay. you know there's a Star Wars collection of stamps.
1: That is and phenomenal.
0: They sorry we're gonna get off a little yeah, tangent, but we love um, two new stamps that came out this year is the new Indigenous Raven um, stamp designed mm-hmm. by a local uh, artist here in Washington State, but also the memorializing the 442 Infantry, the Japanese uh, American. Uh, unit during World War II, the gopher broke. I actually have it up on the wall there in the, in the classroom. And it's it's those types of things. Um, you know, Like there, there's a Harvey milk stamp. There's all of these people that have contributed. I love the history behind stamps too. Well, like if, it's fascinating.
1: If you're the post office, you're thinking of creative ways to remain afloat and to do things. And this time of year, I love going there with All the people bringing their packages and sending them to just about anywhere and you get to while you're standing in line. And I'm saying get to stand in line. You know, imagine who's sending it to their aunt Susan in Kentucky or they're shipping something to overseas and they have to fill out all the paperwork and do it away so they don't give away the present that might be in there. And I just think it's darling to go there And then to see all the decorations that the post office is providing via stamps or boxes and all that. And I just think it's really joyful to see evidence of people thinking about each other and sending that just right thing, that special thing to someone else, I think is really cool this time of year. And so that's... Because
0: it's definitely different than just clicking the buy and ship to the, like, I can always just do that too, but there's some extra care and love when you've repackaged it and remailing it, you know yeah the, the type of sometimes the type of tissue paper you know you know did you know that like i got a gift one year with tissue paper that had um stuff from them they, they specifically bought it at the national archives and so <laughs> it had like history prints on it and stuff and i'm like that i i still have it like i saved it because that was just cool like those little extra touches
1: Well, speaking of extra touches, how much do we love the science museum that used a turtle to bite the ribbon for the opening ceremony. Instead, instead of being a ribbon, it was actually a vine so that our turtle reached out and chomped the little vine instead of using giant scissors.
0: That was amazing.
1: That was amazing. And so these things are all kind of in the theme of togetherness and thinking about each other. And so this Month. Our topic is collaboration, and I'm really excited because we have a special guest, Lisa Scribner, who is a phenomenal teacher extraordinaire person. She's really a champion of collaboration. Her uh, experience, not only in a classroom herself, but also in coaching, supporting teachers as they come up with those wonderful ways to collaborate and make fabulous things for students. This is a part of Lisa's blood. It's It's just her. And so we're super excited to have her. Welcome, Lisa. Hello, and thank you. So we like to have guests on and and ask them some questions. So we wanted to talk to the champion of collaboration about what that looks like for you. So, you know, when you're thinking about this, we say these words, you may say these words. How would you maybe describe what collaboration is to somebody who that's not a a part of their everyday vocabulary?
2: Well, I would... Definitely say, and I heard John say this earlier in a conversation, that collaboration is a partnership. And we're talking about togetherness and the themes um, this year of working together. I heard you mention basketball and how much you love that. Um, It's certainly impossible to win or play a game of basketball without collaborating with your teammates and your coaches and everybody else that's involved in that. Um, It really... me to put it simply is people coming
1: together to work on a common um goal i love that i love that because um when you're talking about a partnership partnership is such a great term because you can change how many people are in a partnership partnerships sometimes are short-term sometimes they're long-term they can be focused around a specific activity or need, or there's something that's always there, kind of like mentors. That's a partnership that you have over a long amount of time that doesn't necessarily have the structure of a specific activity always, but you know that that's there. You know that your mentor or your thinking buddy is someone you can partner with at any time. So I love that. I love that way of thinking. Um, So when I'm thinking about collaboration, I think about planning for that. So when you're planning and I know you, I know, you know, this role so much there, there aren't enough hours in the day, right? No, there isn't. And so when you're planning with people, what does that look like? Well,
2: planning, um, with teachers and planning with, I mean, it's different than planning with, um, you know, a basketball team or outside of of education. Um, But the planning really is, if I'm working with a teacher, um, first I need to just listen to what is, what what the teacher's ideas are. What are they, what is the goal? And most of the time, the teacher has the plan, um, but needs to, have that thinking partner, as you said, to process this out loud. And oftentimes, just having that other person there confirms or, uh, you know, validates the plan that the teacher has. And um, through questioning teachers about their plans, teachers are able to come up with uh, new ideas.
0: I think you're completely right about planning. And... It needs true collaboration. Should not only you know include planning, but you need to plan to collaborate. Um, if you don't make the time for collaboration, it doesn't really happen. And by calendaring it, you're setting in your mind that that's what you're going to do. Um, collaboration can happen on the fly. Not that it can't, but if you don't make time for it, it just gets pushed off to the side. And if you're truly going to be teacher who brings in other ideas and things like that you need to make the space and the time for it Um, and that also includes partnerships i know um, we've partnered with the national park service many times and i schedule those meetings like uh, we go down to the fort to go and meet and talk about these things and bring in those outside partnerships um, that are outside of the school because you can also collaborate outside of the school along with inside the school and so One of the things then is like, um, you know, who do we all collaborate with and how do we make inside school partnerships work? But then how do we extend ourselves even further and make outside of school partnerships work?
2: Well, inside school partnerships um, work when, like you're saying, that there is um, set aside designated intentional time for collaboration and for partnerships. Um, having it on the calendar with um, maybe it's a PLC schedule. Um, there are there are times when during, that are built into the day where teachers don't have to um, use their own time, although I know that they do. Um, that are built into the into the day where we can uh, partner together, collaborate with each other. Um, and that looks like maybe it's a common uh, grade level. I'm I'm accustomed to working to p to working in a PLC that is with um, the same content, same grade level, and um, the way that partnership looks is a common goal of uh, reaching a specific standard that we are trying to work students um, towards. So, being able to look at what we have planned and comparing that to um, what uh, our students are doing in um, each of the different classrooms, looking at that student work, tweaking um, those assessments um, together so that we can arrive at the result that we want. So um, I think it's essential to have built-in time for teachers to collaborate something that they can count on and something that is consistent.
0: Awesome. And so that brings me to the next part is not only should teachers collaborate but do we need to teach students how to collaborate? Oh my gosh, yes. Is that going to be important for their lives moving forward?
2: Oh, absolutely.
0: And then what does successful collaboration look like?
2: Well, I'd love, I, I'd love to talk about um, one of the most brilliant people I know, and that's my dad. Um, and my father's an architect, and he also is a professor of architecture. So he teaches students how to, how to be architects, and it's impossible to, um, to do a project, as you are very well aware of being in the position that you are in this school, um, to create something as big as a building on your own. And, um, I, I listened to him talk about his students. I listen to the way that they, uh, you know, the struggles that he has or the struggles that the students are having as far as, um, working together. And, um, it's, it's important for, for them to understand that when you are in the real world working in a firm, um, you have to be able to work together. You have to be, you're not, you're not just like a lone um, person that is working on these things. It requires um, specialty areas. It requires people who are really strong at, at one aspect of design and people who are um, really strong at others. Um, and knowing that if you are, um, if you're taught how to work together and you're put in a specific um what does he call it studios um, and the teacher intentionally you know tries to work together to partner um, students with um, with the right partner that they're going to be more successful and if you don't practice that um, how are you going to get better at it and it's something that it that is um, that spans across every um, all aspects of, of life so it is it is, um, it's just interesting to to see how we um, can translate what we're learning about partnering and collaborating in school to what that looks like when you go out into the real world and are you know trying to to be a professional. You're not going to keep a job very long if you're not able to you know work together with people.
0: And, and I think that's what makes. You know, my experience in Aaron's is a little bit different, too, because we're second-career educators, right? So we were actually in that sphere to begin with. And I think that would gives us a little bit of a different lens about that, because you, you're you right. In the real world, you're going to be partnered with people that you don't necessarily get along with, too, right? And you need to learn how to make that, how you can both still be successful. Um, you know, that's one of the things I do love about PBL in general, too, is Sometimes you're going to be partnered with someone that it's not, doesn't like the project may not come out great, but school is the place where you can learn those things. And like, how do you deal with those things? And conflict resolution is a big piece of that too, right?
1: And I think an important part of that is teachers being willing to free up the outcomes and being focused on what we're really learning here. Do we all need to make a poster? No. What we all need to do is have some learning experience around a specific standard and that needs to look differently, and that also gives the space for young people to have those project hiccups to figure out how to do. It. And if the project doesn't end up exactly how you wanted, that doesn't mean people didn't learn. It doesn't mean you didn't have strong, important outcomes. It just means that you learned other things along the way as well.
0: Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that I've learned about collaboration over the years too is. Um, I love collaborating in building, and I love scheduling time for that, but I also love collaborating outside of building. And I often get asked, well, like, how do you build those connections? And my number one thing is, I just say, I ask. I mean, it's like, you know, they can't say no if you don't ask. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, my experiences have been, most of the time, an outside organization, they want to actually partner with schools, they just don't know how.
1: You don't know how exactly. And they, uh,
0: and so by asking, you're starting that conversation.
1: You are. And that's, you know, one of my favorite things about life is knowing all the wonderful people that are in it. And the only way I know as many wonderful people as I do is from going out and finding them, meeting them, because people want that. And not everybody has that avenue, like you're saying. And then it just takes somebody reaching out a hand and saying, hey, what you do is really cool, and more people need to know about what you do. How, you know, What do you want out of this? And then you can get a lot of um, connections that way and people who are looking to serve a purpose in their community who want to be involved in a school but needed someone saying, no, I see you in your business. Let's bring this to students. Let the, let's let them tie this into what they're envisioning for their future and bring those big dreams. Yeah.
0: And the other thing I've learned over the years too is collaboration takes time. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, oh, we're going to plan for this 45-minute session and we're going to get done. It, it, collaboration is messy. It is messy. Mm-hmm. It's very messy. It's going to take time. Your outcomes may not be exactly like making a list of, okay, what what else do we still need to do? What questions do we still have? You know, those notes at the end of a collaboration are extremely important, whether you're writing it down on a whiteboard or in your notebook, take pictures of it. Um, you know, I go back to the Adam Grant piece all the time about procrastination and how that breeds creativity. Mm-hmm. Because... If you're working on something just nonstop, sometimes you need to walk away from it and just let it be in your brain, and then you come up with a new avenue for things too. And I just, um, yeah, it, it, it's okay to start a collaboration and not have an ending point. Yeah. And then come back to it later on because that seed has been planted in your brain now, yeah, and you're, you're thinking about it, whether you're thinking about it or not.
1: Exactly. It'll it'll come to you, and sometimes in the funniest places. So. Lisa, I'm wondering when you're thinking about something like that that has to be fluid, that's going to be different, that's not perfect, that's messy, that's hard, how would you define a successful collaboration moment or experience? Again, where you know it's really hard to be like, in these 15 minutes, did you collaborate? But something that you maybe take away with you that would let you know, hey, this worked. That's, that's a really beautiful question.
2: I don't think that that we think about that that often. Um, A lot of times we walk away and we think, that was great, Um, without really thinking like, what what was it about it? Um, um, Oftentimes we walk away saying, that was absolutely horrible, um, but can definitely name like what went wrong there. I think that you know that you've been collaborating successfully when um, you know that you have been heard that your voice has been heard, um, that you have listened and you understand where others are coming from um, and what their ideas are, and that you have created a plan for what's going to happen next. So not having something just hanging over you, um, even if it is when we're meeting next, um, you know that's good enough, I think for me anyways, to know that, um, that our collaboration is working. And I think the most important, maybe most important indicator would be that it does happen again. So if you're willing to come back, um, even if it is messy, even if it is amazing, if you're
1: willing to come back, it's working. I love that, that's a good measurement. If you're willing to come back and do it again.
0: Oh. And that's, I think, a lot about education and projects or units, whatever you want to call them, right? You're going to teach it one time, and then you need to reflect on it. What went well? What didn't, you know, what can you change, you know? Um, I'm lucky enough to have done projects now for sometimes six years, and, like, just thinking about, like, I was just talking about this with some colleagues – How has our year six project looked compared to year one? Mm -hmm. And it's drastically different because we collaborated over those different pieces. We met different people. We changed, right? It doesn't mean that, like, and that's the thing, like, when people are scared to collaborate or scared to take on PBL or these types of things, it's because they're afraid, well, what if it goes wrong or what if it goes sideways? And I think they're still learning. The students still learn in that aspect. You learn as a teacher, you know, and... That's the one of the biggest is trying to let go of that insecurity,
2: and that's the beauty of, of a partnership because, you know, you know that um, that when things evolve the way that you're you're describing, um, that you have each other's backs, that you are you're working together. Not
1: you know, if it was just you, it probably would stay the same mm-hmm. or very close to the yes. same. Yes, yes, you would be stuck in the rut. But with people, you get to treat it as something that moves and changes and grows and evolves
2: well and having an at least an, an open mind to say you know teaching and learning is not static it doesn't it doesn't just stay the same these are it's dynamic it moves it changes it, it ebbs
0: it flows it it changes just based off of the students that walk into your classroom like that, you can work every on every day working every on this you can every work on day. the same standards year after year after year right because we're yeah. doing that but it changes based off of the kids that walk in That's that classroom. True. And to to change. Right. How
2: many times have you If it you doesn't, planned?
0: then I'm actually more worried.
2: Yes. yes. How many times have you planned, like, I got my whole year planned, everything's going to be great, and we're ready to go, and the kids walk through the door and you're like, well, this isn't going to work at all because no. I
1: clearly didn't know my students before I made this plan. So, you know, you got going to massage it and change now. it. So Lisa, we're coming to the end here, and I have one more very important question for you. Um, I would like to take you on a collaboration vacation. I love vacation. (laughs) So if you could get a group of teachers together to make magic happen, where would you take them? And more importantly, what snacks would you serve? (laughs) Well, it would have to be somewhere warm.
2: So the sunshine must be there. One of my most favorite places in the entire world is San Diego, California, for a number of reasons. Um, You know, it's a two-hour flight from here, so that would be pretty quick and easy. Um, But most importantly, snacks would have to be um, mostly made of stinky cheese, Mm. cured Mm -hmm. meats, and loaves and loaves of bread and olive oil. It sounds like a charcuterie Yeah. Experience. Yes. Basically, that's my main. I love this. I'm yeah. I'm going.
0: Okay. Yeah. We need a, a travel company. You don't have to sell to... me on San Diego. You've got Old Town. <laughs> yes. Uh if you've ever been, you guys have to go, sorry. Slater's fifty-fifty. They I'm make their it. hamburgers out of uh uh-huh. 50% ground beef, 50% ground bacon. Yeah. And uh you get to name your thing when um the waiter says it when you when they bring it out. It's it's it's, it's pretty yeah. epic, and there's lots of good tequila and Tacos down there as well. So if <laughs> anyone yeah.
1: knows anybody uh, uh, that would fund this collaboration vacation, we have plans, it sounds like. Yeah. Well, gosh, thank you, Lisa Scribner, so much for joining us and being a thought partner for us and collaborating on this little venture. We hope we get to talk to you again soon. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much to our audience for tuning in to our monthly podcast during the school year in which we talk about things that are coming up in the hallways. Um, if we didn't have listeners, we wouldn't have a podcast. So we appreciate you and love hearing from you. You can't get to us on all the usual social media.
0: Yeah, and um, you know it's always weird, too, in the school years because we're getting ready to say goodbye to a year, and yet we're still in the midst of a year. So um, on that note, I hope everyone has a safe and joyful holiday season, whatever holidays you celebrate. There are lots of them this month. Uh, We're in the middle of Hanukkah as we speak. Mm -hmm. And um, be safe, be joyful, be thankful, um, and do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Remember, that's not going to look the same for everyone. Um, So on that note, uh, thank you once again to my brother, uh, Matthew Zingali, son of Starkiller, for the music. And um, keep those conversations going. We'll see you next month.